0: Kia ora and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka on Wednesday, June 2nd. Today I'm going to focus on house prices, our favourite, because we got some numbers last night from CoreLogic, are the old um, quotable value or QV, which showed that house prices or house values have risen nationally by 7.7% in the three months to the end of May. So if you put a straight line through that, we're still talking annualised inflation in the last three months of over 20%. The reason this is interesting is that two months of those three months included trading after the March 23rd tax deductibility shock and after the March 1 formal reintroduction of LVR restrictions, and after the uh, um, end of March increase in the deposit requirements for landlords. So this is after the Reserve Bank and the Government have taken policy action, prices are still rising quite strongly. And you can see in the um, report I've got in the full uh, email and report for the Dawn Chorus, all the numbers for the main centres and the um, smaller towns and cities. Uh, It's worth noting though that in Wellington, uh, annual house price inflation was running at over 10% for the quarter and annualised in the the year to the end of May, 27.2%. In fact, the average house value in Wellington just rose over $1 million in May. And it's not just in the big cities. If you go outside um, through Hastings, Napier, Palmerston North, Kapiti Coast, Whanganui, so the lower half of the North Island, all have annual inflation rates of over 30%. And uh, the cream of the crop, the top of the hit parade in May, was for Wairoa, so small town, and you wouldn't say it's the most Desirable or popular but real estate in conventional terms, house price inflation in Wairoa in the year to May, over fifty percent. Now, what's going on here? I had a chat last night to CoreLogic's head of research, Nick Goro, and asked him uh, how much the market was slowing compared to what we'd been told by the Reserve Bank and the Treasury.
1: I think the key thing is we just released our house price index data. The one problem we've got is our house price index is based on three month rolling of sales. So it's not perfectly capturing the change in that just that two month period. I suppose the key thing is that we have seen a slight reduction in that pace of growth. So last month, We reported a 3.1% growth rate in that latest month of data, or the additional month of data. This month, we're now seeing 2.2%. So a a slight slowing in the rate of growth so far, but it is worth noting that that still captures some sales before the announcement was made on March 23.
0: You mentioned the um, time after the October 2016 tightening of LVR restrictions, where we saw uh, value growth quarterly drop from 5% to about 1%. Do you think we're falling that quickly this time?
1: Um, It doesn't appear so, so far. And my hunch is that we may not fall quite that far. I think the expectation was, yep, LVR limits are back at 40% for investors. And you add on top of that, the policy change, we may see that reduction happen again. But based on a few other measures of sort of activity and demand in the market, I don't think demand has fallen away as much as people expected because of these changes. And also, we've got so much pent-up demand from other buyers who previously missed out that it's not necessarily being missed either. And so we are going to still see a bit of competition in the market. There's very few properties available for sale, and so we're still going to see that growth in the market. But I do expect a slowdown to occur, but maybe not quite at the pace that we've seen from the, the recent projections from both the Reserve Bank and Treasury.
0: Yeah, because they were seeing um, house price inflation dropping from you know close to 20% towards the end of 2020, down towards close to 0% in the case of um, Treasury and the Reserve Bank towards the end of this year, if you were taking a snapshot in time. So you're saying that maybe it won't get down to that down to that 0% growth by the end of this year, early next year.
1: Based on the early data, it doesn't seem so. Um, I also think it was probably quite a sharp expectation there as well when you think in a year's time that there'd be 0% growth on an annual basis is quite a big drop. When we've looked at it, we did look at the change when they were last 40%, those LVRs, and it dropped to 0% quarterly growth within a year. But that's very different to 0% annual growth because you've still got some of those base effects of growth that was happening in the market a year ago. Um, so I think it's key to take that into account, and that's why I look at that quarterly rate of growth. And, yeah, we will see th- things slow down, and by, you know, start but next year we might see very little growth in the market just because property's got so unaffordable and some of those buyers will be unable to uh, continue purchasing at the, at the levels that those prices are at.
0: Yeah, um, in looking at the quarterly numbers um, across the country, of at least for uh, May, we're looking at Hamilton, Tauranga and Wellington, all with uh, 10% plus growth for the quarter. Um, on the face of it, uh, the the annualised growth in those places seems astonishing still uh, at the end of May.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think, again, we have to be careful here because it is a lot front-loaded. That growth that was occurring in the, mar- in the market in March, even parts of April, I think we're still seeing some pretty strong growth occurring. I have had a look at some of the raw unconfirmed sales that are coming through our database recently. And there does look to be some signs of not necessarily weakness, but certainly the the strong performance of a couple of months ago, not really occurring throughout May. So I wouldn't expect that to continue at that rate. But yeah, when you're capturing a a longer period, you certainly still see some of that really fervent nature of the market that was occurring, you know, in the late later months of summer um, and as we've got through closer to autumn as well.
0: Is there any um, sign of which part of the market has been affected most? Is it potential rent- rental properties? Is it first home buyers, uh, the expensive properties, the cheap ones, provincial, big city? What are you seeing?
1: I think naturally it's going to occur more at the expensive end of the market because you know if you require a deposit of 40%, that's a lot more than if you require a 40% deposit at the lower end. And we know that the changes that were made in the market especially around investors, we're certainly encouraging less debt. You know, then you'd lower your interest costs, and so you wouldn't have the same size tax bills So I do think that anyone that's trying to stretch to those upper ends, um, we're, we're going to see a bit more of a, a slowdown in those prices, whereas at the bottom end, there's probably still a fair amount of demand that will keep those prices not just up, but probably still growing for the next wee while as well.
0: The other big thing on the horizon is uh, whether or not the finance minister accepts the Reserve Bank's proposal for a debt-to-income limit. It's likely we're, we're, we're not going to get a result on that until probably November, December. Any thoughts on uh, if the government says yes, although I must say I think it's unlikely at this point, what m- more impact you could see if, if they do go ahead with a debt-to-income multiple limit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the early feeling probably is that the government will accept the Reserve Bank can have that tool in their their tool belt, I guess. Um, The interesting thing was a couple of weeks ago in the financial stability report from the Reserve Bank where they evaluated each of the different tools and the impact they might have on the market. And they talked about debt-to-income being their favoured next tool. Um, But of course, yes, it wouldn't be able to be implemented until November. Um, When you look at some of the data they're tracking, there is a high percentage of investors, especially, who are borrowing more than five times their income. So if there was a limit, and five times seems to be the sort of accepted um, level of where you'd say it's high DTI, Um, then you would see even further comeback, I suppose, from the activity from investors, which is another further hit to um, demand, I suppose. So, yep, if if they require it, I think that would be the first thing they would do. Um, They have said that at the moment, they've really only got the loan-to-value ratio restrictions. They would look to tighten those if required. But it would really have to be down to them being concerned about financial stability and given the expectations around the slope down I don't expect that to happen and we're very much in the position now where we're saying you know maybe the market will have six months of you know uninterrupted impediment from from government and reserve bank alike as they wait and see the impact of both the LVR um, limits and the changes from the policy perspective from the government so we'll wait and see on that one but as you say we're not going to you know have to worry about it until at least November from a debt to income perspective anyway.
0: When do you think they'll they have enough data to to say yay or nay looks like it's worked or we've got more to do?
1: I think in a couple of months, probably Um, we'll have to be careful around seasonal data in terms of what happens over winter. Typically, we see a slowdown in activity and sales volumes over winter. You don't necessarily see a clear change in the prices people are paying, though, Um, much as people might think so. When you analyse price change over winter, it's pretty consistent with the rest of the year. So actually, if we do see a slowdown, they could probably attribute that to some of the changes that have occurred, which would mean that, yeah, by the time you get through to September, October, we should have a fair amount of data to be able to say, yep, there's been a change in the market. The reduction in demand has meant there's not as much growth in the market and they'll be able to make a more of an educated decision by that point. Uh, I think the interesting thing in the short term will be, you know, the Reserve Bank have provided their advice or their analysis of what would happen with the debt-to-income ratios as well. And they've said that when the um, minister advises on what he wants to do with them, they'll also release their analysis to public as well. So even though we won't have data from after this time, we'll see a bit more information about their analysis of the impact they may or may not have if they were to be implemented on the market as well. So there's plenty of data to flow through and something which uh, for, a, for a data geek like me, I'm looking forward to seeing more about it.
0: Me too. And, and just finally, um, what are you seeing from the banks? because um, they're in this delicate dance where they could take lots of cheap money from the Reserve Bank through the Funding for Lending program and throw it into existing house prices, but politically at least, and and maybe from a um, financial security point of view, they may not want to do that. But you're seeing some of the banks, ASB for example, offering very low variable rate loans for people who want to... Uh, build a brand new house or um, put down a deposit on a um, an apartment off the plan. What are you seeing in terms of um, the, the bank's appetite to lend and their their use of their serviceability and other tools to restrict or expand lending?
1: Yeah, I think the um, it's been an interesting environment for the banks in the last six months. We've seen the banks move ahead of the Reserve Bank in terms of that 40% limit for investors. As you say, we've now seen ASP, get on board with encouraging more new builds with this variable loan, but only if you're building a new property. So they certainly seem to be taking advantage of the ability to, I suppose, make good and and show that they're actually doing what's best for the country. When everyone sits back, all the bank economists, everyone says we need to be building more property. So anything we can do, any tweaks we can make to policies to encourage that behaviour, they're certainly on board and if not getting ahead of the game sometimes. So I think we should see more of that. Um, There's certainly plenty of money sitting there and the funding for Lending Programme, which is what ASB have tapped into to offer this low variable rate. So I'd expect to see you know, some of the other banks get on board to some degree. They may not copy ASB, but certainly in some way try and try and offer something similar. Um, but otherwise, I do think that they'll, they'll continue to invest where they see it necessary. Um, the other big change, of course, was a couple of weeks ago, ANZ putting out the advice around how much of a, an, an, a landlord's rental income they will use when testing their serviceability for how much they can borrow. And they were pretty explicit in saying previously and continuing for new builds, they will use 75% of the rental income to assess your serviceability to borrow, to buy that property. But for existing properties, if you're buying an existing property, you'll only be able to use 65% of that rent um, rental income for your serviceability testing. So that's really a direct reflection of the fact that they don't have that opportunity to write off that interest cost at the end of the year and each of the banks um, test their serviceability in different ways. Not all of them accounted for the fact they could give their interest back at the end of the year, so they won't have to make any tweaks necessarily, while well, some did, and so they've made those tweaks now. So there's so many things at play here, um, and they'll certainly be doing what they can to make sure that they are sitting within the limits, and they're also preparing for the potential of those reintroduction of the or the introduction of the capital requirements where they didn't need to hold more funding for more risky lending, uh, which is likely to be you know, allocated for investors as well.
0: That ANZ change, is that down to 65% for landlords on existing homes from 75%?
1: That's correct, yep. yeah.
0: And just just finally, um, what's your sense of how borrowers are seeing the indication from the Reserve Bank last week that it may increase the official cash rate from next year by about 1.5 percentage points over the following two years? and um, the recent increase in longer-term mortgage rates. Are people looking to fix it, fix out longer-term in anticipation of higher interest rates in the next two or three years or are they um, holding tight for now?
1: I think that will be the case and we'd already started to see a little bit of a drift towards those longer-term rates prior to the Reserve Bank expectation. I think that um, that kind of makes it more official, I suppose, is to see the Reserve Bank publish that. But many of the economists and just looking abroad, we've seen that the expectation is that the next move would be up as opposed to down. And that started to flow through to the market where they're saying, you now need to consider. That those interest rates will lift in the future so maybe start thinking about you know even if it's only a portion of your mortgage taking that longer term option which is still very low for a three or five year rate um and do some of that now before before those rates get any further up and before that one year or those short-term ones also start to lift um but probably a little bit too early to see if people are reacting to the reserve bank forecast but certainly we were seeing it prior to that now it's more official i think that's certainly going to be the case and certainly something we've been talking about is you know anyone that's born in the last five years all I've seen is their mortgage interest rates drop, which probably means their mortgage payments have dropped. And how are they going to be able to handle seeing it go the other way? Are they ready for that? Um, you know, and have they been adjusting their payments to maybe pay off debt a bit quicker so they can, can afford that once those interest rates do start to lift? Because it's going to be a, a shock to
0: some people who haven't seen that before. Nick Goodall, the Head of Research at Logic, Thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. So that was Nick Goodall, the Head of Research at CoreLogic. What's going on here? Why is the market not slowing as all the grown-ups had expected? And um, what's going to happen from here? It's clear now that despite all the warnings from the Finance Minister, the Reserve Bank Governor, that jumping into this market could be slightly dangerous for you, that you might get hurt by the market being overvalued and prices dropping, or that the Reserve Bank might put up interest rates, essentially people have taking the phone off the hook in terms of listening to the grown-ups in this debate, because frankly over a period of 20 years Reserve Bank Governors and Finance Ministers have said this time and again, but house prices have kept increasing, because people are looking through these um, public comments by the officials and looking at what is actually done on the ground. And what they're still seeing is that councils and the government are sticking to their very low debt targets and not investing in the housing infrastructure needed to provide the true supply shock that would deal with these uh, house prices that are now at 10, 11, 12 times income. You're also seeing from the government and the Reserve Bank, when the pressure is on, when there's the potential for house prices to fall, those uh, entities, the government and the Reserve Bank, not only lose their nerves, so to speak, and move to rescue the market, but are now actually using the market's wealth, its wealth effect, to do their work of A, getting elected, and B, stimulating the economy. So the $250 billion or so increase in the value of the housing market since the beginning of COVID, it's now worth $1.5 trillion, that is not a bug in the system That is a feature of the system, and everyone uh, who is buying houses or renting houses now understands that. And so that's why the ASB's um, survey of investor expectations about house prices shows that more than 60% expect house prices to rise over the next year. And that's despite forecasts in the last couple of weeks from the Reserve Bank and Treasury Saying that house price inflation will drop from around about 20% now down to naught uh, over the next year. Already in the two months since those announcements, we've seen house value inflation of more than 5%. Now, that's already blown through the forecasts put out in the last couple of weeks by the Reserve Bank and the Treasury. Essentially, people don't believe that the government will restrict population growth by restricting migration. They don't believe that housing supply will increase um, sharply enough to offset uh, uh, the housing supply shortage that we have. And also, they don't believe um, that interest rates will rise sharply. And you can understand why. There's been so many false starts and warnings over the last decade that haven't been followed through on or couldn't be followed through on that um, real home buyers, real real estate agents, real sellers Simply don't believe the government anymore. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was the Dawn Chorus for June 2nd, Wednesday, on the Kaka. If you're looking for more updates on uh, what's happened overnight, um, have a look at the full email and report. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka.